Welcome to Live Well with Southwell. Southwell is dedicated to helping you be equipped with the best tools and knowledge to make sure you and your family live a healthy life. Live Well with Southwell features interviews with experts across many areas of healthcare and wellness. We hope you enjoy listening and most importantly, living well. Hi everyone, I'm your host Liza Tillman and today we are back with Dr. Abby Saxena, Medical Director of Southwell Behavioral Health Services and Amanda Ramshead, Director of Southwell Behavioral Health Services. It's November, which means it's Alzheimer's Awareness Month. During today's episode, we are going to focus on a few tips for how Alzheimer's caregivers can reduce burnout. Welcome back, Dr. Saxena and Amanda. Hey, thank you for having us. Yeah. So how's everything been going since our last episode? Going well. I just can't believe how fast the year's gone by. Yeah, absolutely. So the last time you guys came, we talked about, we were talking about New Year's resolutions. So it's now it's November and about to come up on another new year. But um, our topic today is interesting to me. So we tend to think about Alzheimer's Awareness Month from the patient's perspective. So today we're shifting to talk about the caregivers. So tell me, why is it that Alzheimer's caregivers are so much more likely to experience burnout and high stress? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's very difficult work. Yeah. So anyone not feeling okay, it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is some of the most demanding type of work um, you can ask someone to do. And uh, not just Alzheimer's, and I know that's what we're focusing on, but any sort of caregiver role where you're taking care of someone else. Um, you know, there, there are many reasons. Um, lack of control, uh, unreasonable expectations or unrealistic demands you put on yourself, kind of a confusion of your role. A lot of times you're taking care of the person that used to take care of you. Mm -hmm. So it goes a little bit deeper than just someone you're taking care of. It's the person that took care of you and it makes you reflect on your own life and your own um, progress. And, uh, you know, there there are many other factors, kind of more individual sometimes, but um, it's a very difficult role. I would imagine it kind of depends on, it's, I would think that somebody who's an Alzheimer's caregiver is most likely caring for the medical aspect of things and then also the mental side. And that's probably a very difficult dual role. Whereas sometimes if you're just caring for somebody who's a little bit older, who might not be able to get around, you're dealing with that on top of their mental status being compromised. Yeah, it absolutely is an added layer. And another thing I think that sometimes we don't talk about enough is kind of the mourning process, um, especially with dementia. You almost lose that person twice. Yeah. Um, so you're mourning not having the the parent or family member um, whether it's their personality or their ability to remember things, remember you, um, you know, that that's a whole thing. And then you also are, are sort of working, you know, through all of that while physically needing to be there day in and day out for them. Um, but it's amazing. And the people who do it, uh, get a lot of reward and, um, a lot of, a lot of pride in the work that they did. So, um, whether it's your direct, um, family member or friend or you work in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, those people are truly doing God's work and um, sure. really important members of our community who do that for a living. Yeah, like in the Sylvie Bar Center, right? Yeah, that's right. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. So um, for those who didn't listen to our last episode, Dr. Saxena and Amanda both work with the Sylvia Bar Center that's located in Adel. Amanda, can you tell us a little bit more about Sylvia Bar Center? Yeah, the Sylvia Bar Center is... Um, it's called a Jerry Psych unit, but it's really so much more than that. Um, we offer a, a space for patients to come and feel safe, um, and we offer them opportunities to heal medically and to heal um, psychologically. Um, and we also just try to give them an opportunity to be able to be sociable and to um, interact with each other, um, try to 
build up some of those skills that they may have lost while they were at home. Maybe they were a little more isolative than they used to be in, in their previous life. And so it just gives them an opportunity to be around people and to um, socialize and have a good time and all the while getting better while they're doing it. And it's a short-term stay. It's not yes. a long-term facility. That's right. Our stays at the Sylvia Bar, t- Bar Center are typically seven to 10 days. Um, and while the, while we have patients with us, we're discharge planning the entire time, getting them ready for return home. Um, when they come home, we usually have um, arranged for aftercare. We make sure that they have psychiatric appointments so we can maintain their med- medication regimen. Um, we make sure that they have an appointment with their PCP to ensure that they um, stay on the medications that they're doing well on. And we might even um, link them up with some other services like um, some some Alzheimer's Association services, some home health care, um, other things in the community that we know will benefit them whenever they return home. What are some other ways that caregivers can reduce their risk of kind of burning out? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think uh, first, being realistic, um, kind of knowing where the person is at, where you're at, kind of taking stock on how things are going, what's going well, what's not going well periodically, checking in with yourself or uh, the patient. And don't forget about yourself because you're so busy taking care of someone else, you often forget to take care of yourself. So either have a close friend or family member that you talk to about these things or um, a a professional, somebody that is outside of your friend group or family group who you can kind of share some time with and uh, talk about your emotional um, you know, told that this might be taking on you, know your limits, be honest with yourself, um, try to find any support groups or, uh, things like that, that are available in the area. Um, and then the basics, uh, you know, healthy, um, habits like getting plenty of sleep, getting plenty of rest, exercise, eating healthy, the basic stuff that we know we're supposed to do, but often we neglect, uh, when we are taking care of someone else. Um, and then also, accept your feelings. Um, it's okay to be frustrated sometimes. It's okay to feel guilt sometimes, but don't let that get out of hand. Um, it's okay to do something fun for yourself. It's okay to enjoy your life um, outside of the role that you take so seriously um, and try to have moments or pockets of uh, lightheartedness and fun and uh, community. Know that you're not alone. And when you need help, ask for it. So those yeah. are sort of the things I think about. Yeah. So well, you mentioned sleep, and I think I read somewhere the other day that caregivers are more likely to not get sleep because they're getting up in the middle of the night maybe to care for that patient and um, not patient or their loved one. Um, and how could a caregiver work on getting better sleep? Is that if it's even a possibility? Because it seems to me, and Amanda and I have talked a lot about mental health over the years, and that seems to be one of the very basic, like you said, getting back to the basics, the foundation for you're just setting yourself for being able to move and survive throughout the rest of the day. So how can somebody set themselves up for better sleep? Yeah. So sleep, just like anything else that you're doing for yourself, it will start by setting time aside for it uh, unapologetically. So if that means to hire some help, get someone else to come in the morning, if um, the person is an early riser, 5am, 6am, and you don't aren't able to get to bed till 11 or 12 based on all your responsibilities, no, you cannot just do that for year after year after year. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing with dementia. Usually it's a chronic progressive sure. illness that lasts for a while. It's not a week or two. 
uh, of something you have to adjust to. So um, there are creative ways to do that, but nothing substitutes having support and help. Um, easy to say for me to say some of these things, but you know, don't feel guilty or bad if you're not able to do this because you don't have help. But definitely know that that's a problem and try to get help as soon as possible. Um, the other thing is if your sleep has become disrupted in a um, in a way that's not natural, mm-hmm. be unafraid to talk to your primary care doctor or a mental health provider um, about your sleep and how it has been disrupted. And there are many um, non-pharmacologic ways of helping sleep. There's cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI. That's something you could look up right now and implement some of that in your own life right now. Um, but in some ways, it's not any different than someone else who is not taking care of someone and not sleeping well. I would tell them the same thing. You have to make it a priority, mm-hmm. keep track of it, um, you know, keep a log of how much you slept, how maybe uh, your partner or somebody who's there with you could kind of realistically tell you how much you've slept and um, try to improve on the things that you know work. Yeah. And I've, I've heard you say a few times, don't be afraid to ask for help. And it seems like somebody is a very compassionate caregiver, they don't want to ask other people for help. But you, I, I, I always tend to think of the example that you have to put your oxygen mask on first yeah. before you can help somebody else. Um, and you're not, I don't want to say you're no good to your loved one that you're, you're helping, but um, that you're caring for, but you really have to be able to function from day to day and asking for that help. And I think also knowing what to ask for, right? Because I would imagine that it could be really overwhelming and just be like, I, I couldn't even begin to tell somebody what I do all day, every day, you know? Um, and it's just easier for me to do it myself. And I would imagine that really, if you asked anybody and say, could you just take this one piece from me? And could you help me? Like you said, come in during the day. Um, and I'm sure that if you have a person who does get agitated, right? Is that something that happens that they get maybe with new people that I'm sure it's something that you would be concerned about. So how, how could somebody approach that? Like when they, who, who should they ask to help if they don't have family members to come in and help? Are there resources for kind of, um, respite care, I guess? Yeah. So, um, I think that in, in those kinds of situations, whenever a patient gets to the point that they're agitated and it's requiring more persons than just the people that live in the home to take care of them, to take care of them, that's probably the exact time that you should start considering like a stay at the Sylvia Bar Center so that we could get um, some medications regulated. We could try to reduce some of those um, aggressive behaviors. We could reintroduce some socialization to the patient. We could get them used to being around multiple different people Mm -hmm. in a way that um, would make sense to them and and so that would kind of help benefit once they return from the Sylvia Bar Center. If you were to have people coming in and out of your home to assist in taking care of them, it might not be so unfamiliar to them if they were to come in and actually um, stay with us for a little while. I agree. And respite care, um, you know, can provide a temporary, you know, lifeline for the, the person yeah. taking care. And there's a wide range of things you can ha- get, like some few hours of in-home services per day, per week, uh, all the way to assisted living, nursing home. Um, And that's something we can help you with at Sylvia Bar. We have an entire social work team that will kind of assess, um, you know, how the loved one is doing and what they might need. 
Yes. So I think that whenever a patient is experiencing agitation and even physical aggression, that this is a time um, that a caregiver may need to start looking at some outside resources like the Sylvia Barr Center. Um, Like I said earlier, the Sylvia Barr Center is a short-term center. And what we do is we make sure that patients are on the optimal medication to treat their symptoms, whether it be aggression, anxiety, depression, um, maybe even some loss of cognition that they've you've noticed that they've experienced over some time. Um, and so we can get patients to a better place, um, both emotionally, medically. We can make sure that they have a, a better sense of well-being, and we can um, especially get them more used to social situations again because I know that in in some cases caregivers spend a lot of time at home with patients Mm -hmm. and they're not exposed to anybody else but those caregivers that take care of them and so um, and this is a time when there may be more and more people that are coming in to your house to help take care of a person and so just coming to our facility and being around some folks that love you and want to take care of you and um, and and experiencing lots of different faces, um, that's a good opportunity to get patients kind of desensitized to the fact that there may be more and more caregivers um, that it's going to take to take care of them over time. And so what do your families report once somebody who's been in that situation comes in, has been agitated, comes back? How do your families react to them when they come out? Our families, I mean, we we just had we've had a couple of of really great situations um, recently. Families have been so excited about the improvement that they've seen in their patient, and I'm sorry, in their loved ones. They are, you know, they're seeing like a more sociable, more talkative side of their family members that they haven't seen in a long time. Um, and so, you know, all that comes from just us having that interaction with patients every day you know it's a part of the structure it's a part of what we do and so when they see them coming back out of their shell again it's it it's really almost kind of feeds you it gives you what you need to kind of keep going and to take care of your your loved one even longer and um just seeing that improvement is is oftentimes so special and so important for the loved ones that are taking care of them. Well, and I think we hear that Alzheimer's, you can't cure Alzheimer's. It's not going to get better. It's not going to, but what you just told me is that it can, it can improve a little bit. Your quality of life, their quality of life can get a little bit better. And that really is what's going to allow you to continue to providing excellent care to your loved one. Right. And so that's just, just one of the many ways that you can reach out and, I don't think a lot of people know about facilities like that. And so that's a huge one. That's right. Yeah, our community is really lucky that uh, Southwell um, devotes the resources and the financial needs of uh, to, to create a, a center where we can do really good care. Um, anyone who's been by the facility or seen the staff, um, you know, I, I think has been very impressed and you know, I, I've been lucky enough to be a physician for 11 years now. And one thing I'll say about dementia is every person kind of walks it in, in a different way. There's no one standard thing you can say. And that's what keeps it very challenging. And, um, you know, um, it's a challenge that we all have to rise to. Every every patient is their own journey, their own story. Uh, but what I will say is I very much agree with it's not something that you should just think will just always be bad or there will only be bad months or it'll only get worse and worse and worse. There are so many stories 
with the right medication adjustments, with the right specialty uh, care, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, counseling, medication management, all of which we do at Sylvia Barr, um, people get weeks, months, years of their productive life back in the sense of being who they are. And I think that's what we try to do the most. We don't like to change people. Uh, We don't want them to be over-medicated. We don't want them to be groggy. We don't want them to not be themselves. Um, What we, in fact, want to do is make them more back to Mm themselves. And that's what dementia takes from the patient. It takes their identity. And we try our best to restore that and the dignity of life and making sure that caregivers are reminded because when they see that it takes professionals devoting their life to keeping someone happy, healthy, and safe, which we all do, mm-hmm. they also realize that what their job is is not easy. It's not something yeah. that anyone takes for granted. And we, the caregivers are our biggest um, help in a lot of ways. The information they provide, what they tell me about patients' good days, bad days, mm-hmm. um, that is priceless to me. And so um, I, I think I think we do a really good job at Sylvia Bar helping not only the patient, but the family as well. Because the caregiver is the voice for somebody who can't speak for themselves Absolutely. anymore, right? Yep. I mean, um, it's, it is it is such a huge role. What would you say um, the effectiveness of support groups are? Yeah, very, very effective. Mm-hmm. I So the Alzheimer's Association yeah. uh, on their website often has um, support groups in your area. Mm-hmm. And if you even are at all considering it, do it. Go ahead and yeah. find the one that's closest to you and go. And I think that's something that no one has really thought that was a bad decision or a bad <laughs> thing to try. Yeah. Um, but often we're kind of hesitant or shy to try something new or go somewhere where you won't know anyone. But um, there are a lot of commonalities. As much as I said, dementia, each person does their own journey. Mm-hmm. The caregiver, though, has a lot of overlap with anybody else caregiving for someone in a healthcare need and um, talking to one another, getting advice, giving advice, giving a hug, you know, as simple as that. Getting a hug sometimes uh, can make the world of difference to give you the energy to re- recharge and get back at it. Mm-hmm. And going all the way back to it's just a really smart way to spend 30 minutes of an hour of your week. Um, so you're charged for the rest of your week. Yeah, absolutely. And support groups are generally free you know, um, easy way to do that. And I'm sure there's virtual options if you can't leave the house. And um, it just seems like that's a big way to, I mean, they say it in the name, it's it's support from other people and just knowing that you're not alone. I can imagine that being an Alzheimer's caregiver, dementia caregiver is very lonely. And that's got to be very difficult to, again, if you don't have, a lot of us are very blessed to have ton of family and, and everything. And um, if you don't have that, um, to be able to reach out to somebody else who knows what you're going through, that can go such a long way. Yeah, you're definitely not on an island, even though you might feel like you yeah. are. And, um, you know, you asked about respite care again. There are just so many, uh, there's a wide range of what that means. Um, so just figure out what works for you and mm-hmm. your family um, and and take advantage of what's available. There's more available in this region than you may think. Mm-hmm. That's a, another thing. At Sylvia Bar, our social work team can be a huge resource. So you may not even end up utilizing what we recommend right away, but you may need it in a year. You may need it in two years, and you have it at your disposal. You can call us back and help us help you. Um, once you've come through our doors and um, you've been a patient or a family that's worked with us, we kind of see you as 
our patient and family forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other good thing I think our team does is we follow up with the large majority of our patients that are discharged. So they come in and then they have psychiatric care going forward, um, normally seen within the first month of leaving, and then every two or three months after that. Um, so I think that's something that's very unique to us, where four providers who will see you at Sylvia Bar will also see you when you leave. Uh, three wonderful nurse practitioners, and then I'm um, the doctor, lucky enough to kind of lead that team. So you mentioned in at the beginning about asking for help, and, and we've kind of talked about the different ways you can do that, but taking care of yourself as the caregiver, it's important to to see a therapist, right? That's the, Would you recommend that all care caregivers see some kind of, ha- have some kind of therapy? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that um, caregivers probably don't often think about themselves being mm-hmm. the ones that need the, the therapy, but consider therapy just 30 minutes of devoted time where you get to sit down and talk to somebody and interact with them and tell them about what you're experiencing, how it's affecting you emotionally, and they're giving you some feedback on ways that you can not only cope with what you're going through, but also maybe even some pointers for how you can interact with your loved one in a positive way too. And so, you know, I think that it's probably oftentimes overlooked, but something that will be greatly beneficial for caregivers, it's a very tough job. You know, being a yeah. caregiver is a is a terribly tough job. And like you said before, it can feel lonely and you can feel like you're on an island. But um actually taking that time, taking an hour for yourself every other week or even just once a month mm-hmm. um, to sit down and, and talk through some of the things that you're experiencing um, can be not only very emotionally freeing, but it can also just kind of lead you to some some more ideas of how to be the best version of yourself and be the best version of a caregiver yeah. you can be. And if you've never been, and I think we've talked about this in other podcasts, but if you've never been to therapy before, just kind of the idea of going for the first time can be scary. Um, I have a great therapist and I love going to see her. But at the beginning, I remember walking in and saying, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, that's right. am I, am I going to have to talk the whole time? Are they going to ask me questions? And I guarantee you, if you found the right therapist, and I know we have great therapists here, you don't have, it's not a stressful situation. They are trained and can just, and especially if they know why you're coming, even if they don't, they're going to figure it out. Um, just to ask you, like you said, to ask you those questions and prompt you. And I bet sometimes if you just don't even want to talk and you just want to sit there and you know, what, whatever it is you want to do. So don't, I think we've done a great job over the past few years of kind of destigmatizing getting help for your mental health and, and seeing therapy. Um, and seeing a therapist, but it's just, it's just one of those things that you have to, it's, this seems like a common theme. You have to prioritize this stuff for yourself again, or else you're not going to be as beneficial to your loved one as you want to be. And so we do. So y'all, y'all tell me about that. So we have the Sylvia Bar Center that's in Adel. What about the therapist that we have up in Tifton? Yeah, so we we have um, three therapists that practice in our office in Tifton, um, and they see you know they see patients. That's their that's their primary job. They they do sessions with patients. Um, they all have different specialty training, but and they all bring something really special to the table. But what they all have in common is that they're very compassionate about their patients, and they're very invested in the care that they provide um, to each person that comes into their room. And so you know that's something that you 
you you may not even realize it, but that's something that you want and maybe even need in your life is somebody to, you know, work through some of those things with you, talk through some things, help you understand things in a in a better perspective, pump you up a little bit and make mm-hmm. you feel good about, you know, all the things that you're trying to juggle, you know. Um and our our therapists do a wonderful job of that and we're very grateful to have them, you know, on our team. They take care of, you know, not only our community, but they take care of all the staff that work here at the hospital. And they do all do very, do a very good job to, um, with caregiver um, intervention and, and talking to families and patients about all the things that happen whenever you're experiencing this with a loved one. I think a big thing that you mentioned at the beginning was grieving somebody who's still alive. Yeah. And that has to be very difficult to to watch that transform. Um, and that alone, you could probably sit in therapy for hours yeah. <laughs> talking about what that looks like and how that affects you um, as a person. And so I just, I think these were all really great tips. Was there anything else that you would add to to avoiding caregiver burnout? I would just, just further add that therapy is really come as you are. Um, you, you can literally just show up. So anyone who's listening to this and hasn't done it before, hasn't really thought therapy is a solution to how they feel in terms of taking care of someone and being tired and exhausted and physically burned out, please just make the appointment and show up. The rest will sort of take care of itself. Like you come, give it like three or four visits, you know, no, the first visit with anybody about anything can be odd or awkward. Sure, yeah. But give it, give it three or four visits. Show up. Come, however, come in a t-shirt. Come, you know, <laughs> however you can make it, and um, and I think you will be better for it. And um, and you may find yourself going to therapy long after your job as the caregiver is done, mm-hmm. and that just so many times proves the point that it was valuable and it helped you become a better version of yourself. And um, that's what we're all trying to do at the end of the day. Thank you guys so much for coming today. I think this is a really big topic that we, like I said, we tend to focus on the Alzheimer's patient. We don't think about uh, the people that care for them. And I hope that if you've heard nothing else from this podcast, that everybody sitting here has given you permission to take care of yourself too, in addition to your loved ones. So thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. If you are a caregiver for a loved one with Alzheimer's and you think they might need a higher level of care, contact the Sylvia Barr Center in Adel by calling 229-896-8100 or visit mysouthwell.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live Well with Southwell. If you have a question for a healthcare expert or a topic you'd like us to discuss, send an email to info at mysouthwell.com. Until next time, live well.